Welcome to the Sojo Show with Jen and AJ, where you'll dig deep into God's Word alongside two imperfect, frequently ineloquent women as we discover fresh ways to walk out God's truth together. Welcome back to the Sojo Show. We are so glad to have you. I am here alongside AJ, literally alongside. Like we are sitting we side are by side. Touching shoulders at the moment. <laughs> uh, actually, we're kind of touching knees underneath the table. It's a little awkward sometimes. At <laughs> least we're not playing footsies. Because <laughs> we're trying to get close to record. Um, however, we are here and we're going to be talking about, we were going through the book of Galatians mm-hmm. uh, in Sojo Academy this month. And we are going to... We've got a heavy question that was asked in our membership a couple of weeks ago, and we thought we would address it. So instead of asking each other a question like we normally do, I'm going to read this question slash comment from one of our members, and then we're going to kind of discuss it in light of um, a section of this book in Galatians. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So this member writes... So she was, it's in reference to one of the questions in the Bible study. And so this is what she writes. I write down the situation with my daughter-in-law who is making some really bad choices and now wants a divorce. There are children involved. I know I need to love her and treat her with kindness, et cetera. But when do we confront the sin and how? Looking for balance, I guess, between grace and the law here in a super practical way. And this is um, obviously a hard, Mm -hmm. difficult situation. Yeah. Yeah. It's very difficult. And, you know, the sad thing is, is most of us probably have similar. Yeah. It's not uncommon. It's It's not not a unique situation. Right. I mean, most of you listening have probably experienced to some degree or another Mm -hmm. a similar situation where someone that you love is making poor decisions and you are trying to figure out how to handle it with grace. And yet Mm -hmm. also, um, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So this is, this is a, this is a big topic. Let's just dive right in. Let's take the bull by the horns. Is that, is that a saying that we apply to this? (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. So first off my question would be in return is are we talking about a believer or a non-believer? Mm-hmm. Because that is definitely going to be changes everything. It changes everything. If we're talking about a non-believer, then the we have to remember the goal in either situation. The goal when talking to a non-believer is to bring them to Christ. And that conversation is going to look very differently if they are not a believer in Christ yet. Mm-hmm. Non-believers in Jesus Christ, we can expect them to sin. We can expect them to not have values that align with God's word. And so that's a totally different conversation than if this is a believing person. Now, if they are a believing person, then the goal is to remind them of how our actions either reflect or deflect away from the gospel and the truth of the gospel and the, how we represent Jesus Christ. And this is very well illustrated to us in the book of Galatians 
in chapter two. So Jen, do you want to read, just give us a little bit of background because here's the deal guys. We want God's word to answer our questions. When we have a question like this, we want it to not just be an opinion of somebody or a counselor's solution or worldly advice. We want God's word to direct our paths. So this is a passage from God's word that we can use to do that. Yeah. So the passage is in Galatians chapter two, starting in verse 11. And if you listened to the podcast last week, you heard us refer to this in in kind of a a spoiler kind of a manner. Um, It was, I didn't realize it was going to be a spoiler because I didn't know what the topic today was. But uh, so go back and listen to that as well. But in Galatians 2, 11, it says, but then, but when Cephas, who was Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned for before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. And when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party, which is the James and the men that were with James and the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? What what was actually going on is that Peter was hanging out with these believers, with these Gentile believers that were not circumcised and they you know, they were not, they did not have all that Jewish culture and Jewish background. And here Peter is saying the message of the gospel, which as you guys know, um, the whole Peter had that vision on the rooftop of the whole, you know, the unclean animals being brought out to him and such. And Jesus or the voice from heaven said, don't call unclean what I have made clean. Right. And so Peter had actually gotten a word from God himself that those things were no longer considered unclean. Mm -hmm. And so here he is in a Gentile setting, having these foods and sitting down with brothers in the Lord who had not been circumcised. They had not kept the rules of the Jewish law. And Peter is saying, it's not about these rules. It's not about whether you eat certain things and it's not about whether you're circumcised or not. It's grace. It's faith in the goodness of God. That's the way we are saved. And yet when the believing Jews came and when they showed up, Peter started stepping away from the Gentiles. He like abandoned them because he wanted to fit in with the cool crowd, with the Jews who had been circumcised and who wasn't doing all of these things. And he basically hit the message of grace that he had just been given to these Gentiles was then nullified because of his actions, because he started to retreat from the Gentiles who weren't circumcised. He left them totally hanging. And so Paul shows up and he says, you're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite because it's not the works of the law. It's not circumcision. It's not what you eat. You know, it's none of those things that make you right with God. It is faith 
you know, it's our belief in the grace of God. And, and Peter was a hypocrite and he, he had just given the message of grace to these believers. They had responded in faith. And yet when the big guns come in, you know, he reverts back to pleasing them or, or thinking that he might please them. And so Paul was like, absolutely not. You stand condemned because what you've done is you've nullified the grace of God, not only in your own life but in the lives of everybody else whose message you just delivered to them. So, you know, this was a very serious thing that Peter was, was doing. He was, he was compromising the the core message of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And how does this relate to our question? Well, the question was, when is it, when do we confront, right? When is it right for us to confront somebody who is in sin? And from Peter's clear example, and Paul's example of confronting him, we confront somebody when the message of the gospel is at stake. That's the bottom line. When the message of the gospel is being compromised by their life or lives, life's life, <laughs> that's when we really have an obligation to say something. And it always needs to be done in love. You know, that is not something, I mean, I mean Paul um, confronted Peter publicly because Peter acted publicly. You know, this was a public sin that he did a public compromise of the gospel. So like in the life of this, this, this daughter-in-law who is wanting a divorce, if she claims to be a Christian, the standing that this sister has is to go to her and say, look at how you are compromising the message of the gospel by making this choice. Look at how you are compromising the message of the gospel to your very own children. Start, start at home. You know, how are you representing Christ by these actions? That is ultimately, you know, there's a lot of things we could say, you know, it's morally wrong and all of these things, but the core argument that we have is this compromises Christ, this compromises the gospel of grace. This compromises the message that we have that grace, God's grace is sufficient, right? If we're believers in Christ, we believe that no matter what it is we're facing, no matter what hardships this daughter-in-law is facing in her marriage, no matter what personal issues of sin she may be dealing with, no matter what the situation may be, God's grace is sufficient. And as believers in Christ, we are to exercise faith in that. And when we make choices that are not in alignment with that truth, we are misrepresenting the gospel to anybody who can, who's looking on to that. So yeah, I've talked a lot. What would you add? Well, in this particular instance, because they're talking about marriage, I think that it is important to maybe explain the role of marriage mm -hmm. to the Christian and the role of marriage is to be a reflection of the gospel, mm -hmm. right? And it is to be a reflection of Christ in the church. And we are, marriage is not about us ultimately. It's not about our, I mean, it's not an institution that will survive eternity. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, right. we will not be married in, in heaven, it is, it is an earthly representation of the gospel and the enemy wants to see that representation and that 
that picture of God's of God's grace and of the of the Christ and the bride, the church, he wants to see that destroyed, mm-hmm. which is why he works so hard mm-hmm. at coming against marriages mm-hmm. in our society today. And I think that explaining that and and that and this is just in this particular example, but understanding that everything that we do is for the glory of God and should be reflecting the gospel. And when you see someone who is that you love, that you know is a believer and that is living in sin in some way or uh, contemplating something you know to be against the biblical truth, then I think it's important to explain that to them mm-hmm. that, you know, is what you're doing glorifying God? Is is are your actions pointing others to the gospel or are they um reaffirming hypocrisy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And going back to the beginning of what you said with the um the fact that if this person is a non-believer, an unbeliever, we cannot expect as believers for non-believers to do the right thing mm-hmm. to, you know, to not live in sin because that is their nature. They are still enslaved to the sin nature. And that is where our role is to point them to the truth of the gospel. Right. It's no longer telling them that they have to point others to the gospel or that they should be pointing others to the gospel, but it's on us now to point them to the gospel and explaining to them the grace that has been given him and given them and how the healing and peace and grace and love of God can heal mm-hmm. all situations mm-hmm. and, and turning that over to God and laying that at the foot of the cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And just, you know, to kind of tack on to that, um, to be in prayer for that person that they would see the beauty of the gospel, you know, because our hearts before we become believers, we are, we are dead. We have no capacity to appreciate, um, right or wrong. You know, we are, we are dead in our sins and we are not alive to the things of God so that we have no internal motivation to do the right thing. And so if we go, if we go to confront somebody in that state and try to, um, like persuade them to do something right, that's an empty argument because there's nothing internally in them to, that would be drawn to that. Right. So that's why we have to present the gospel and say, you know, in Christ, all things are possible. You know, there can be healing in this relationship. Your children can see a mother and father who are in love with each other and crazy about each other and who, who forgive each other, you know, all of the things that might be currently missing. Those things are available when we are made new creations in Christ Jesus, but that's the only way that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And so that is the message that we, that we deliver in that case. Mm -hmm. So. And love in a marriage, love in a relationship is not the same in different stages of that marriage. Mm -hmm. So reminding those that are struggling with this in particular and in parenting and any other issue, any other relationship you have that our relationships, their feelings change over time. I mean, yeah. not 
I mean, not yeah. like specific, but they ebb and flow. I mean, you know, they're right. one, one day, our feelings are different than other, than other days. And that is not what it's about. It's not what these mm-hmm. godly relationships are about. And these God honoring relationships are about, they're not about our feeling on that particular day, but they're about the knowledge that we're representing mm-hmm. the church in this yeah. and, uh, and, and Christ, the relationship between them. And so I don't, yeah, I, it's hard. It's hard. And then, and then putting yourself on the other side of it. Okay. Put yourself on the other side of, put yourself in Peter's position where he got scolded, put yourself in someone who is, put yourself in your position when you were doing something you weren't supposed to be doing, even as a Christian, right? Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. do not want to be called out. Nobody wants to be called out. Right. right. And so our response tends to be very defensive. And so we need to work on our own response when others call us out, Mm -hmm. right? Our response of repentance, but then also recognizing when we're talking to people in grace and love that their response may be difficult. And that's where prayer comes in, I think, Mm -hmm. even more. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we do it with, with the appropriate level of firmness, you know, Paul needed to be very firm with Peter because it was very public and he was leading people astray. He was being a hypocrite in the church, literally. And so he had to be very strong in his approach, but sometimes, you know, it takes going softly and gently and pleading with another brother or sister and saying, you know, look, I know your heart doesn't, doesn't want to, to defame the name of Christ, but right now your actions are please, you know, how can I help you? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and repentance is possible and mm-hmm. God will do mighty things through a repentant heart, yeah. just as he did through Peter. I mean, Peter ended up being, yes, you know, P- and Peter brought thousands to, I mean, he built the church on his yeah. back basically yeah. is what, is what Christ said. And you read yeah. his writings in first and second Peter, you see his love for right. the Lord. He got in the book. He wrote the, he wrote parts of the book. I mean, so, I love reading his books because they show, they come from a man who had fallen flat on his face multiple times. And if that isn't somebody you want to listen to, I don't know who is, you know, I mean, Paul, Paul is awesome. He's strong. He like gives us a great example. But Peter fell on his face, I and I Peter. relate much more to that, um, honestly, than I do with Paul. I love Peter is very impetuous, and he and he made big mistakes, and his big mistakes were documented for all of history. Yeah. And I yeah. love that about him mm-hmm. because he is still right where you know mm-hmm. all the other saints are right yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. And that is to me, that is super encouraging. Yeah. And just to kind of recap on the, the question that we started with the reader question about confronting someone in sin, I would say that, you know, a lot of times we can get caught up in the specifics. So there's a lot of marriage counseling that could go into that, that answer. You know, we don't know any of the specifics or any of the details and, and there may be some godly counseling needed to work through some legitimate issues. So we're not trying to make light. And there's probably sin on both sides. Right, right. So we're not trying to make light of real issues that have to be delved into and and resolved, you know, in a healthy manner. But what we do want to say in this podcast is that God's word gives us answers. It gives us a starting point of where, where to go and how to, begin addressing the hard issues and the hard questions in life. And so 
let's utilize it. Let's utilize scripture. And I, I'm just very appreciative of this question. It was so timely asked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, we will be back next week and we hope that you have a good week and, and just reflect on these things and read the word. Um, particularly if you haven't already read this portion of Galatians and see how it speaks to you. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll see you next time. Bye everybody. Hey guys, it's AJ here with a personal question. Do you ever long to connect with other women over God's word? If so, I'd like to personally invite you to be part of our online Bible study community. Sojo Academy is where Jen and I meet via Zoom every week with our global community to discuss God's word, pray, and share what we are learning with each other. In Sojo Academy, you'll get a fresh Bible study every month, as well as weekly meetups, Bible journaling kits, accountability, community, and an entire library of workshops and Bible study tutorials. Jumpstart your walk with God and come hang out with us live this week. Visit SojoAcademy.com and we'll see you inside.